0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the Business Station. Hello, I'm Anif Baharuddin and you're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Three years ago, we spoke to the founder of Malaysia Origami Academy and Malaysia Origami Association, Kenneth Cheng, to learn more about the world of folding papers in a creative way and what the scene is like, especially here in the country. The community is pretty passionate, not only their love for the art, but also for teaching others how to fold. So I decided to catch up with Kenneth to see how they cope and dealt with the MCO these past two years.
1: Uh, Good to be with you again. And I'm Kenneth, the founding president of Malaysia Origami Association as the founder of Malaysia Origami Academy. And also I have initiated the Malaysia Origami Movement eight years ago together with the founding of the Malaysia Origami Association. So the intention for the Malaysia Origami Movement is to impart uh, skills related to folding science as well as the folding art to the Malaysian public so that is to impart and to equip them with the skills so that they can apply it to their respective field of expertise. And origami, as you know by now, that it is not just a recreational hobby, but it is a lot more than that. It's been used in the latest uh, James Webb Telescope. Uh, it has about 60 patented origami technologies, all the way to, uh, to surgical stands for angioplasty, to uh, making uh, drugs using a. Uh, scaffolded protein clusters, of course, to the uh, recreational and the teaching tools that we are familiar with. So in a snapshot, this is uh, what origami is all about and what I'm doing. So for the last uh, 42 years, I've been involved in uh, folding, uh, particularly folding origami. Mm -hmm. And for the past uh, 12 years, I have been involved heavily in uh, origami pedagogy and andragogy, which is the art and science of teaching children as well as art and science of teaching adults. Uh, because I think that imparting the skill is very important and it's a way for us to know uh, better the folding science and art. And uh, I was in Japan for about seven years and after the earthquake of 2011, I basically moved back to Malaysia and uh, I'm doing this full time since uh, 2011. Uh, actually, when we tried to introduce origami to the Malaysian public, we do find out that origami is still a very new concept uh, to Malaysian because uh, usually we think of origami as a childhood hobby, paper plane, uh, uh, the jumping flocks and crane. Uh, there, it's very seldom that I encounter uh, Malaysian that would think that, oh, origami is something that is used in a, in a high-tech industry. <laughs> so back in the 2011, uh, that was a little bit worrying, so we started the Malaysia Origami Movement. So the, the movement involved uh, a lot of exhibition, a lot of uh, free workshops, uh, talks. Uh, we we even have symposiums in terms of origami. We offer uh, free workshops and free talks to schools, secondary schools, universities, and we, we reach out to corporations. So over... The 12 years, we do see the Malaysia origami movement gaining a lot of momentum in terms of promoting the awareness of what the folding science can do. And most importantly, uh, at at least for the last five years, we are seeing an exponential growth in the participation. And the uh, people and organizations from within Malaysia started to pull the knowledge and the know-how and the interest start pouring in. Uh, during the MCO, I think because of the lack of physical interaction, a lot of uh, organizations, corporations, they started to explore what can they do in terms of the online uh, resources. So origami naturally is one of the very appealing, uh, uh, how to say, element and services that uh, falls right into their category. So during the MCO, we do see a lot of uh, reaching out from corporation to us through the Malaysia Origami m- Movement, and we have conducted a lot of talks and workshops to uh, to them. So I think that is a uh, blessing in disguise. Of of course, MCO is not something that we are looking forward to, but because of the lack of uh, physical interaction, because of the uh, the virtual uh, virtual needs we do see that geographical limitation has been removed. So we do see people reaching out all the way from Singapore, Thailand, Indonesia, uh, all around Southeast Asia, people are starting to interact virtually. So because of that, we are seeing a heightened level of activities uh, in pushing the Malaysia origami movement. So in a snapshot, there is about <laughs> what happened. So yeah, so so based on based on what you
0: said earlier, and based on I think our previous session when we spoke to each other about the art of origami, I did remember asking you about whether um, you know learning how to fold is, is something that can be done via YouTube tutorials, right? And I think to a certain extent, if I'm not mistaken, you did say that um, actually the face-to-face interaction is, is a much better way of learning how to do it, I suppose. So um, how did the MCO, I guess, affect that kind of teaching method that, that I think your association has always been uh, more more in support of, for, for example? yeah, How did you essentially cope with the pandemic uh, when it first happened two years ago?
1: Yes, I think there's a very uh, valid uh, question. The, the biggest challenge for us to conduct this online, to impart skill, rather than to just to teach uh, how to fold an origami model, is we are starting to take a look at, we are mapping our physical lessons, those that can be taught via, via physical lessons. We actually need to map it down, all those skills that we are usually uh, imparting through physical workshops, so because of the MCO, we, are need, we need to sit down and really map out those elements, uh, element by element, and then we put it into category. And after we have done that, for example, uh, just to let the, the uh, listeners and the audience know about a little bit about the content, is that we, uh, there are a lot of uh, symbols in origami. Uh, there are symbols used to uh, inform the reader how to fold a certain types of folding maneuver. So those symbols are very important uh, because you need to tie a certain symbol with the folding movement. And if you search in you know, online in the YouTubes, currently there is no such a comprehensive channel that actually covers all that. So you do see sporadically here and there, some here, some there, but they don't have a centralized type of repository. So we kind of like map that all out uh, painstakingly and we try to look at what, the online uh, 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 video conference tools that can deliver. For example, can we do it through Zoom? What are the limitations? Can we do it to, through uh, StreamYard and so on? So we are evaluating and try to, you know, still learning how to map this all in and, and make all those uh, make sense. So we basically map it in the, all the different different modules that we are doing physically and look at the limitation, what the online uh, video conferencing tool can offer, and we Uh, We actually went through about two to three months' uh, time to fine-tune so that we can deliver this in a more efficient level. But at the end of the day, just to be fair, the physical workshop is still the preferred way because when you are doing something through online, a lot of uh, the skill will be lost in the process of doing so. So, But because of the, the MCO, So people are more willing and more forgiving to uh, forego that type of uh, online lesson. And because of that, also, we have a lot of people outside uh, Kuala Lumpur region that they started to reach out to. So even after the MCO and when we we open up, we do see that all all those that are outside the Kuala Lumpur area doing the online uh, lesson with us, they are still continuing uh, doing the online lesson with us despite the, uh, the MCO has been lifted. So we do see this continuation. And of course, there, there is a limit, all right? So as in any uh, learning platform, when the origami level, uh, the complexity gets to a certain level, it will be too complex to be conducted through a virtual. For example, if you're trying to fold a dragon like 1,500 steps, it will definitely be very tough to do it online. So meaning that we actually break down into only a couple of modules that we recommended to deliver through online. And beyond that, uh, we are encouraging the participants to uh, come to the physical workshops.
0: Mm, I see. All right. So, um, what was the process of adapting like at that time? I, I mean, you mentioned the str- struggle in trying to figure out uh, the best way to somehow convey the information. Like, what, what, what was the approach like um, when you adopted the, the virtual way of teaching?
1: Yeah, there are three, three categories uh, altogether. The first category is uh, something that's very simple. Like, for example, you want to see how to fold a simple folding maneuver like a reverse fold. So that is a pretty much straightforward fold that we can actually have a pre-record, pre-recorded video to show the movement of the hand, how the folding maneuver has actually been done. So that's for the uh, rudimentary level. And the, the slightly intermediate level is that you do need to look at the diagram. I mean, the diagram means that the folding step is a step-by-step drawing, showing you the shape of the paper, how it should be folded. But also at the same time, you need to have visibility of, the actual instructor's hand and you need to have eye contact so meaning you need to have a multiple interfaces visual and also audio so when you take a look into zoom uh of course there is a certain limitation for zoom so that was when we tried to move on to platforms such as like stream uh, stream whereby you can have uh, multiple windows one showing the face of the uh, uh, instructors one showing the hands of the instructor how it's folding and most importantly one screen that is showing the diagram steps so that the uh, online participants can follow and associate which step in the diagram is associated with what type of folding uh, movement of the fingers. So that is at the intermediate level. And at the highly advanced level, we are using a multiple window interface because you need to engage some of the special software in origami to do some uh, more complex calculation. So meaning that at the higher level, we do need to, uh, we are moving entirely to uh, more advanced online tools such as uh, StreamYard. So Zoom is no longer able to satisfy at the most advanced level. So there are three category that that we break down to uh, in terms of delivering our online content.
0: Oh, okay. Sounds complex. And to say certain extent, it doesn't sound as simple. Yeah. I assume there are multiple cameras uh, that you have to set up as well in order to, to somehow, I guess, teach uh, people how to do this uh, online?
1: Yes, indeed. We, at, at least we have to have two. One, showing the face of the instructor. One, showing the hands of the instructor. And of course, the orientation and the direction of the, the, the camera is very crucial, especially on the camera. So it needs to be on the same direction as... the the hands of the participants so that they don't have to do inversion, like they don't have to try to mirror it. So all those considerations need to be not taken into uh, account when we are delivering the online. And when it comes to the advanced level, we are setting up sometimes four cameras because sometimes you need to have one camera zooming down to a certain very localized uh, area that is showing a very high uh, resolution for because some of the part of the paper become very small and you need to have a camera that is just showing that particular area that is very zoomed in to show how the, the shape of the paper has been formed. So at the advanced level, we are, sometimes uh, there's uh, a couple of instances where we use four cameras and the headache now, uh, the challenge back then was the bandwidth, the internet speeds. So it's no longer the how many cameras we have sometimes because we added a lot of uh, visual uh, bandwidth and it becomes so uh, bandwidth hungry that the, the internet speed couldn't cope with it. So the throughput kind of like slow down, and you know, the whole thing. So we are forced to fall back to like two cameras. <laughs> so on and off, we are having these uh, challenges.
0: Wow. Okay. That, that's very impressive. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what's, what's the take up rate uh, for origami in, during the pandemic?
1: Yes, on the, uh, onsla- upon the onsla- onset of the MCO for the first three months, we do see the take-up rate were, uh, were basically zero. So I think everybody was still trying to adapt to the new norms and, and figuring out what to do. And I think at the, for, for the first three months, we literally have, we panic actually, <laughs> there's no take-up rate, and our physical causes literally comes to a, a, a total standstill. So we need to reach out to, through our social media and also reach out to all the contacts that we have, schools, universities, and on the fourth month onwards, uh, the three months following the fourth month onwards, meaning that the fourth, uh, f- uh, the, the, the fourth, fifth, and the sixth month, we almost see the enrollment rate jump uh, close to double of the physical rate. And starting from about the eighth month uh, following through to the end of the MCO, our take-up rate is basically close to triple. I mean, just in terms of the virtual uh, take-up rate. So we are seeing close to about tripling our current enrollment in terms of the virtual, comparing to our physical one. I think partially due to the fact that there is no longer a geographical limitation.
0: Mm. And you're now still continuing with this. Um, well, to some extent, it's a it's more of a hybrid approach, right? Uh, you still have online virtual classes, but you are now resuming your physical lessons as well.
1: Yes, yes. So uh, those that are actually with us through the uh, during the MCO, uh, they are still continuing through, even though the M- MCO has been lifted. And during the MCO, uh, we are also seeing a lot of. Uh, organization the uniform organization uh, engages such as the good guides st john ambulance and a lot of corporation as well so those actually mix up the numbers actually because those are uh, huge uh, large organizations that they have a lot of uh, members uh, spread through across malaysia so online tools kind of like be able to meet that requirement because you remove the geographical limitation. So more people from over a, a different geographical area can actually attend in the same platform. So that, uh, that tripling of the uh, number of the enrollment we also coming a, a lot coming from uh, the uh, uniform organizations.
0: That was Kenneth Cheng, founder of Malaysia Origami Association and Malaysia Origami Academy, sharing how the community cope with the pandemic. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9 Listening to I Love KL Bringing you closer to the people And places of our capital city I'm Hanif Baharuddin Joining me on the show via Zancaster Is Kenneth Cheng Founder of Malaysia Origami Association And Malaysia Origami Academy We've been catching up to find out How they've dealt with the pandemic Like many other associations The virtual realm became their playground And while that in itself was not really ideal They did manage to gain new participants That are outside the Klang Valley And even Malaysia So was this a silver lining In an otherwise dark period?
1: Uh, Definitely a good thing, definitely. Because of uh, the online platform, the the reach out rate is already beyond Malaysia into Singapore, into Indonesia. Uh, We do see some from Philippines as well. So I think in a sense that the MCO is really a blessing in disguise. Uh, and it also forces us, I mean, I, I believe it's not only f- from, uh, for, for my business per se, but also a lot of other business. It forces them to actually look into uh, exploring uh, virtual avenues and trying to streamline and re-customize what they are doing physically to the online to the online world. So the MCO is kind of like, like what you mentioned is a silver lining and uh, a blessing in, in disguise that actually forces to do that. And the result is actually quite uh, yeah, stunning. We do see like tripling now. And even some of them are starting to come to our physical lesson. Those that are within the ge- geographical uh, reach, they actually actually switch over the online lesson to a physical lesson. So we do see the benefit of doing online lesson from Malaysia origami movement standpoint and in terms of promoting the awareness and imparting skill.
0: Mm. so apart from um connecting lessons online uh you also did a couple of interesting initiatives uh to perhaps commemorate um the event throughout, throughout i think 2020 and 2021 as well right mind sharing i you know what, what your association did last time
1: Sure. We actually, as you know, that for Malaysia Origami Movement, every year we have two critical, uh, very important days in the, in the origami industry. The first one is actually Malaysia Origami Day, which falls on the 15th of April of every year. And the second one is World Origami Day, which is 11th of November of every year. So, of course, naturally during the MCO, we can't do the physical exhibition with all the workshops going on. We are forced to move on the virtual. We celebrate this virtually. And because that we, we are celebrating this virtually, we also have the opportunity to invite a lot of origami, uh, renowned origami professionals from around the world to participate as well. And also uh, our own government, uh, the JKKN and Japan Embassy, they actually enroll through the virtual and they deliver the virtual speech. And we have virtual celebration, virtual kickoff and virtual uh, workshop as well. So that, that kind of gives us a, a, a really a different feel. And most importantly is that people from different states, Kedah, Pahang, and Sabah, Sarawak, they actually have a, a opportunity to join through online, which is uh, what they are not able to do in the past in, in a physical celebration. So they kind of like that excite them a lot. And the subsequent year, which is year two zero two one, we did exactly the same thing, the virtual celebration as well again. And of course. Now that we are the MCO is lifted, this coming 11th uh, of November, which is we're going to have a physical and hopefully physical and virtual, a hybrid celebration. Uh, the physical uh, World Origami uh, Day is going to be held at Lala Port BBCC. So we're going to have yeah, a lot of physical exhibition coupled with uh, virtual ones so that we do not leave out those that could not make it to Kuala Lumpur.
0: All right, fantastic. The last time we spoke was in 2019. Um, apart from, I guess, having to adapt during the pandemic, did you observe any new trends in the origami world?
1: Definitely. A lot of trend actually is actually been focusing on exploring Malaysia cultural heritage element. Uh, if you take a look at our social media page, you will see a lot of uh, new ideas and a new genre being formed, which is they are trying to make those uh, symbolic, cultural, iconic images of uh, Mal- Malaysian cultural heritage elements such as Wabulan, kebaya. They are trying to make it more appealing in a way that they make it into a wearable arts. If you visit our social media, you will see the Wabulan being uh, hand folded into a wearable earrings, water resistance. They uh, you, we actually impart the uh, some uh, crystal, some stones to make it very appealing, and we do also map all the buildings, the new buildings, particularly the Medeka One One Eight building, and we do have uh, a creation out of the Medeka Tower, the One One Eight PNB Tower. So for during the MCO, I think because of the boredom <laughs> sets in, that kind of like releasing the creativity also, they start to look at the 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 avenues that they don't usually look into. So for the last uh, two, three years, we do see the shift of uh, not only local artists, but also the appetite from worldwide. They wanted to try something that is uh, out of the ordinary. So when we introduce to them, hey, take a look at this uh, special type of orig- uh, origami that had this Malaysian touch. Right? To them, it's like, wow, they have not seen this before. So when they start to fold this, I mean, for, in terms of for non-Malaysians, it is a very good soft power to uh, to sell Malaysia or to introduce Malaysia to them. So they will find out, well, okay, what is this building? Building 118, really? It's the second tallest tower in the world? So some of them might not even know, but through the origami, they actually get to know a little bit better uh, about Malaysia. So we do see this, this uh, surprising trend and also the pleasant one to have. To it's kind of like use it as a symbolic way to introduce Malaysia to the rest of the world.
0: Um, yeah, um, the take-up rate might have increased during the pandemic, but did you notice? Um, and I think to the extent, it's it's now at a very decent rate. But did you notice any any drop-off as well? Considering that I think uh, now that you know the world has opened up again, uh, MCO has been lifted. Um, people, I wouldn't say forget, but people somehow maybe get get they started getting busy or they sort of like I guess went back to their old lives. I suppose
1: definitely if we compare just the online uh, uh, sign up rate we do see a drop of about 25% about 25% drop off rate compared to the peak uh, that is just not counting in the uh, the uniform organization for the uniform organization some of the uniform organization they have actually uh, incorporated and integrated this into one of their Uh, qualification modules because they find this very educational and useful so for to that extent we are still retaining some of the uniform organization uh, participation rate because they have made it into a certification type of uh, uh, nature but for if if we are looking at just uh, individual sign up rate yeah we are looking at about 25 to 30 percent drop in uh, individual enrollment rate but the fortunate thing is that because of the reopening up of the MCO, we do see the physical take-up rate kind of like uh, offsetting the 25%, 20, 30% that we are losing out in terms of the online one. So for the physical one, we do see that even uh, uh, coming in at a higher rate because uh, when the MCO got uh, lifted, a lot of people are tired of the MCO and they really want to go all the way out to do something that they maybe have not tried before. So origami being still a little bit new to Malaysian, it's kind of like, yeah, falling into their, their radar. So we do see that. And of course, during the MCO, we do have a lot of uh, exposure in the social media and the reach out. So that also kind of like attracted those that is within uh, the Kuala Lumpur, the Kuala Lumpur greater area, we do see people from uh, Cyberjaya, Jaya, Semenye, you know, Banting, we are all traveling all the way down to Kera, just to uh, take up our physical lessons. So I think this is something that is uh, good to see also, even though we are we are seeing we start to lose out some of our online uh, uh, takeout rates. Hmm. Um...
0: We've discussed the the benefits of folding you know origami to some extent uh, during our previous session, especially um, not just in terms of I guess the physical aspect of it, but also mentally as well right. Um, wh- what are some of the uh, feedback that you heard from your participants, especially when they when they started learning how to fold during the pandemic?
1: Definitely, definitely. So let me just share with the audience. Uh, these are actually the actual quotes from uh, uh, some of the parents. So if those parents are listening, I think they they can relate to what I'm about to quote them. So they do see that a a lot of change in behavior in their child. Usually I'm talking about from a child perspective and I'll share with you a little bit from my adult students uh, feedback as well. So for the child, uh, for the children that are still in schooling uh, years, we do receive a lot of feedback from the parents themselves. uh, The observation that they are seen. Uh, I think d- during the MCO, a lot of uh, a lot of schooling children start to become addicted to online games and maybe do a lot of binge watching YouTube, TikTok, and that kind of quite worry. Uh, that was quite a worrying trend. But when their child started to take up origami and when they become more skillful, they discover that they can fold a lot more complex and more interesting and stunning uh, uh, origami figurines like dragons, like. Roses, flower, all sort of a more interesting thing, and they kind of like open up new uh avenues and new uh, uh mind mindshare. So they do see that their child spend less in terms of the online gaming and online binge watching and. Also, they do feedback that they start to see a behavioral change that the child starts to become more patient and also to become more analytic. And uh, in terms of their logic inference skill, they do see a significant increase. So these are the actual quotes from uh, some of the parents. Uh, in fact, throughout just the, the last weekend, we have some parents from Johor, Cyberjaya, so if you're listening, you know, yeah, I'm talking about, yeah, those parents. So they actually come and visit uh, me in the academy physically. And yeah, this is the actual feedback from them. So they do see such a positive uh, uh, signs and, and traits uh, developing in their, in their child. And for the adult students, they do uh, let me know that it's quite therapeutic because throughout the MCO, uh, because of the work from home, uh, culture started to build up they feel that they kind of like is the 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 line of work and personal life kind of like become quite blur because that you almost like every, the, around the clock you're like in the workplace because your house become transformed become a workplace so they need to have some balancing act to counter that so by by adopting origami of, and of course some of the other hobbies but uh, uh, basically for my origami adult students they are uh, letting me know that folding origami sometimes can bring them back to that peaceful me time so when they fold a very like very uh, beautiful wabulan using a very beautiful uh batik paper so they have that 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 the entire folding time to be a me time to de-stress so they feedback to me that it can be very therapeutic So these are some of the actual feedbacks from our students, both from the uh, children as well as from the adult students. All
0: right. That's great. All right. So um, now that um, the world is opening up again and um, MCO has been lifted, um, I think you mentioned earlier that you have a preference for physical lessons, um, physical in-person lessons um what's what's next for for your association i mean the hybrid approach is right now the the way to go uh but what 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 else do you have in store uh apart from uh, world origami day uh, in november
1: yes so very naturally is the expansion because when the malaysian Origami movement uh, movement is gaining traction and momentum we are seeing more and more demand from uh, uh, cities all over malaysia Uh, Johor Bahru, we do see a strong demand in Penang, Malacca, even Ipoh. uh, We are seeing such a a strong request for us to open up a branch there. So uh, that will be our next natural uh, evolution or development of the Malaysia origami movement. But we first must take care of the uh, instructor. So we need to take care of training uh, qualified and, uh, uh, instructors to deliver the physical classes, the physical uh, workshops. So we are in the process of developing a, an uh, origami instructor certification a training program for those who are contemplating of uh, taking up origami as their full-time career as we are seeing more and more demand uh, building up in Malaysia. So I think that is the next uh, step of the Malaysia Origami uh, uh, Academy. And also, we do see more and more um, businesses uh, have approached us to work together with them to build their brand image and also to uh, bring footfall. (laughs) So when I say bring footfall, naturally, I'm referring to the mall outlets. So as we speak, there are two uh, malls in Malaysia, a a big one that we are planning for a Malaysia book of record origamis uh, in the coming years. So I cannot disclose the name of the more because we are yet to finalize the details. But they are bringing origami, the thrill of it, the excitement, uh, the excitement of the origami, into the 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 city that that they are at their home base. So we we are seeing that uh, very good signs of businesses reaching out to uh, to. Uh, so one of the uh, Malaysian uh, uh our, our signature mooncake company Taitong, is also. Looking at how to make uh, the folding one of the part of the tradition. So, we do see a lot of organizers started to express their interest and they started to see the the power, the the, the benefit of the the power of the symbolism. So, when you try to introduce Malaysian uh, cultural heritage element in a very fun way and a very beautiful way through. Uh, paper folding, I think, is a very uh, catchy, it's, it's a very enticing idea to them. So this is something that is very positive that we are seeing.
0: Right, that's great. Okay, so for uh, listeners out there who would like to find out more about Malaysia um, Origami Academy, where can they visit for more information?
1: Yeah, they can definitely visit uh, our social, med- uh, social media at Malaysia Origami for uh, Instagram, or you can just visit Uh, our physical uh, place at Publica Shopping Gallery and you can search us at uh, Facebook Malaysia Origami Academy
0: You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was Kenneth Chung, founder of Malaysia Origami Association and Malaysia Origami Academy sharing his experience surviving the pandemic. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash KL, Our app, which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and you can also find this podcast on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital City tune in next week only on BFM 89.9 The Business Station you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station
1: for more stories of the same kind download the BFM app